are you coming? You hear that question, are you coming? And you, you just stop and pause and think, am I going to go? I've, I've never gone before. I'm a little bit anxious about it. I'm a little bit nervous. I've never been there before. I don't know the people there. Are you coming? Give me a second. You're just thinking, well, I was, uh, was going to be at home. It's going to be comfortable. I was maybe going to read a book or do something. I, home would be more comfortable. The people there, I, I just, it's intriguing. I might like to go. I might, might be interested in going, but I'm just, not, I'm just not sure if I really want to step out and leave the comfort of where I'm at to go to something else and then there they are asking me, are you coming? We need a decision. It's time to go. Are you coming or are you not coming? I, I don't even know how many times this has happened through my life. And maybe I, I'm just one of those people that's timid about going and trying new things. I like to think of myself as adventurous, but in reality, I'm not. And so when I'm invited to go try something new, I get really apprehensive. And go, oh, but I don't know. I don't know all the things. I don't know all of the... Th- I, I'm just not comfortable there. I want to stay here where it's safe, where I'm, it's known to me. This is the thing that we're talking about this morning. This is what we're talking about this morning. Jesus has been teaching He's been teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and it has been impressive. This guy taught like no one had ever taught before. He understood the Scriptures like he knows the mind of God, like he's speaking the very words of God. He doesn't just guess. He's not saying, well, I kind of think, or this is my interpretation, but he's speaking as though these are the words of God himself to people, and people are recognizing it and responding in that way. And then, then, after he's done teaching, he goes around and he heals people. He's touching lepers and they are healed of their leprosy. He's healing people with all kinds of different issues, demoniacs, the blind, the deaf, the lame. He's touching them. He's healing them, completely changing their life. He is amazing, and his reputation is starting to get heard around. People are hearing about that, and they're seeing the kinds of things that he is doing, and now he is saying, we're going to go somewhere else, guys. We're in transition from one place where he's been doing this teaching and healing and stuff, and he's in transition, he's going to head to a different place, but before he goes, we're going to have two quick interactions, and those are the interactions for this morning. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple came up to him and said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Just these two quick interactions, right? Jesus, in, in verse 
18, it says that Jesus saw the crowd around him. Now, you could imagine why there would be a crowd around him. I think there's been a crowd around him for days. It's probably been a growing crowd. The more he does, the more people hear about it, the more they tell their friends, and the more people come. And this is becoming a huge crowd. And Jesus is going, okay, I think we're done here. And so he instructs his disciples, we're going to go over to the other side. Now, we'll see in a moment that it, he's probably talking about getting a boat and going over to the other side of the lake, but he doesn't specify here, right? He's just saying, um, okay, now we're going to go over to the other side. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders that they were going to go over to the other side. The, the importance is not where they're headed or what they're doing, but that there is a point of transition here. We are leaving this place. We're going somewhere else. Now, Jesus has been in this place, and the crowd has been growing and growing and growing. What will happen when Jesus leaves this place and goes somewhere else? Is that whole crowd going to follow him? Or are only just a few select going to follow him from the one place to the other place? You see, there's something about Jesus, something appealing about Jesus, something attractive that, that people want to come to. That's, that's really what attraction is, right? It, it pulls you in. It's an attractive force. There's something about Jesus that, that is attracting people to him, but they're, they're still locals at this point right? They're locals. And so if he travels from here to another place, who's going to follow him? Who's going to go with him from this place to the other place? How compelling is it to follow Jesus? When it's easy, here they are. But now when he goes someplace else, who's going to go along with him? It says, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And then verse 19, and a scribe came up to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Here's somebody who is a student of the scriptures, a scribe, somebody who knows the scriptures well and has been hearing Jesus' teaching. Now, whether or not he has noticed all of the miracles and healing and stuff, we're not sure. But the thing that he really identifies about Jesus is, I have been studying the word, this guy knows it. He's a teacher. And so here's the scribe, somebody who has dedicated his life to understanding the scriptures, and this teacher, this guy, is, he's intriguing to me. I'd like to know more. Teacher, wherever you're going, I'm going to go with you. You have not been clear on where you're headed, but wherever you go, I'm just, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. And how does Jesus respond? What do you expect that Jesus would say? That's great. Come along. We're going to have a great time. Here we go. We're, we'll have a party. We're going to do a barbecue. We're just, it's going to be a great time. And the more the merrier. Everybody come along. It's going to be great. Anybody else want to come? That's not exactly what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, Well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. Thank you for that, I think. 
His response is, do you want to follow me? Do you know that to follow me means not stopping? We're not going to stop somewhere. It's not going to be comfortable. You're accustomed to being in this place where your home is. If you think we're going to like go down to Jerusalem and just hang out there, if you think we're going to go back to my pad and hang out there, that's not what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. You, you see the birds of the air, they, they fly around all over the place, right? They're, they're constantly on the move. But even they have a nest. Even they have a place that, that they raise their young and they stay in this place. A place that they come back to. A place that they come back to roost. But not me. I don't have a place like that. Even foxes have holes. They, 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 it may be dirty, right? I, I don't know that I would want to live in a hole. Dirty, muddy, grubby, not very big, but a place that they can call their own? A place that is the place where they go, where they feel safe, where they feel sheltered? A place that for them is home? Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. His response essentially is, you want, you're going to go without me wherever I go? You don't know where I'm going. You, you just, wherever I go, you're going to go along? Let me, let me tell you, I'm not going to say you can't come. I just want you to know what it is you're signing up for before you come. I want you to know what you're signing up for. This is not going to be a life of comfort and ease. You see, we see people who have big personalities and who are very attractive, and we associate with them some sort of power and comfort and ease, right? That They must have plenty of income. They must have like a big house. These are the kinds of people that I just I want to hang out with, and I think that they could provide for me, and Jesus is going, that's not what's going on here. If you think you're going to follow me and we're going to go back to my big old mansion and we're going to hang out there and maybe we'll take over Jerusalem and I'm going to be the king or something like that, that that's not what's going on. We're going to do a lot of walking. A lot of walking. And we're going to sleep on people's couches when we're lucky. We're just going to find some place to sleep. And as I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Jesus replying to this guy, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, I was just thinking about Jesus and going, yeah. Yet he didn't have a house. He didn't have a home. I'd, I'd never like thought about that before. That here Jesus is, the God of the universe, the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? Everything is at his disposal, and yet he is at the mercy of other people for his entire ministry. He's walking around doing healing and teaching and um, explaining what the kingdom of God is like, and then dependent on other people to take care of his needs the whole way. 
with nothing really that he called his own. He traveled light, and he traveled often. So that when you get to the end of his life and you're, they're dividing up his stuff, it's just not that much stuff. And I was thinking about that and going, oh my goodness, his life is way different than mine. I travel little, and when I do, I travel heavy. I'm an overpacker, overprepared kind of person. I mean, I, I was in Boy Scouts, so I should know how to pack light because we're going for a hike. No. I resonated with the be prepared. Everything goes in the pack. You may walk very slowly, but you're going to need all of the things just in case. Just in case. We are never going to hike off of a trail or more than four miles from anywhere. And yet I am prepared that I can survive on just the stuff in my pack for a month. <laughs> and Jesus travels with the shirt on his back. And when he tells his disciples and he sends them out, what does he tell them? Don't bother taking more than two. You only need one change of clothes. You don't need a lot of stuff. You just go and the Lord will provide for you. He says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I, I think that I think that I, I so disconnect from this. I, I think that that when Jesus says, here we go, and we're going to go without the comforts, I, I think many of us grew up in places where we were in a safe, secure kind of a home, right? Where, where you felt like you had the things that you needed, and this was a, a place of, of relative safety in this house. And then you grow up, and you move out on your own, and you're sort of trying to establish that same kind of thing again. I want to make that again. Now I'm an adult and I'm the one who's responsible, but I'm trying to set up this thing, same kind of feeling where I feel like I have a place of safety and security. And even I think for people who didn't grow up with that, their home at, when they were growing up was non-existent or didn't have that kind of comfort. It wasn't a place of safety and security for them. They long for that kind of a place. They want to build that kind of a place. We're in pursuit of that. And Jesus just plain wasn't. He just wasn't. One of the commentaries I was reading said Jesus just didn't have time for middle-class comforts and securities. There's no safety and security in a physical home for him. He's just on the move. And he's clearly laying out here are what the expectations are. If you want to follow me, that's great. But I want you to know, here's what it's going to look like. 
and it's probably not what you think. I just want to clarify. I'm calling you to something radical. If you're going to go with me over to the other side, we're leaving this stuff behind, and we're never coming back. It's not going to look like this again. Are you in for that? Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, this is the first time that Jesus uses the word, the, the, the phrase Son of Man as a title for himself. He'll use it again. It's one of his uh, preferred ways of referring to himself as, as, as the Son of Man. But this is the first time in the book of Matthew that we see it, the Son of Man. Son of man. In, in the book of Ezekiel, it was a, a preferred uh, title for Ezekiel, the prophet, the one who was uh, representing mankind and was um, presenting God's word to his fellow man. Son of man. In addition, it was uh, used in Daniel chapter 7, where it says this in Daniel 7, verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." And I think about this clear reference as Jesus is saying, I am the Son of Man. And there's this clear connection to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 with this one who is like a Son of Man coming in before uh, God the Father and is being presented with dominion over everything. And the contrast... Or the adjustment in my thinking, as I think about this prophecy of Daniel where this person, this one who is like a son of man, is given what? In verse 14, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages shall serve him and his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And I just go, yes, that is like strength and security to the max. And he says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head? He has every place to lay his head. He's, he's the one who is, has dominion over everything. What do you mean he's going to travel around like a homeless person? What do you mean he's going to travel around without any place to stop, without any comforts and securities of home? What do you mean? And Jesus goes, you don't understand what my kingdom is. I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to teach. My kingdom is an everlasting, eternal, spiritual, heavenly kingdom that is making its inbreaking into this world right here and right now, but don't think that it comes with the kinds of comforts that you're pursuing here. That's not what this is about. 
We're not going to set up a kingdom here. We're not trying to build huge houses and securities here. No, no. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We're going to travel. We're going to teach. We're going to serve. We're going to help people see the eternal kingdom that is to come. But it's going to hurt now. The cost is high now. I want you to know that's the cost. Are you coming? Verse 21. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus, I, I also want to follow you wherever you go. That's, that's totally fine. I just, I have some family business I need to take care of first. Now, it's possible that his dad had already died and he just needed to literally put him in the ground and, and then we can go. But I think it's more likely that what's going on here is that his dad is old and he expects that sometime in the relatively near future, he will need to take care of the family stuff. And he's going, Lord, I just, I have some things that I need to take care of first. I don't know exactly how long it's going to take, but before I can follow you, I need to take care of this stuff. I need to take care of some homework. Some home stuff. Some family stuff. You, you know how it is, Jesus. We, we, we just, I just have to take care of this family stuff, and then I can come. Then I can do it. And of course, Jesus goes, oh, well, I totally understand. You know, family first, and so take care of that, and then you, yeah. I mean, whenever, I, I'll take whatever I can get. So whenever you're available, uh, hit me up. Let me know. Our people will talk, will tell you where to meet up with us, and then you can join us. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Uh, Jesus is just not like a great salesperson, I don't think. I mean, if I was trying to convince somebody to follow me, this is not the phrase I would use. This isn't like the assumptive close or something like that. It, th he just lays it out clearly. Look, don't worry about those things. Let the dead deal with the dead. Let those who are not pursuing the life that's found in the kingdom of heaven deal with mortal death. We are pursuing life here. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about real, true, spiritual life. We're pursuing something different. You let other people deal with that stuff. You let other people deal with that stuff. You let the people that, that have no hope of an eternal glory deal with that kind of stuff. You let them worry about that. You let them be anxious about that. 
You let them mourn and be sad about those kinds of things. But you, we're moving on. We're doing something new. My kingdom is not of this realm. So we're not going to worry about the things of this realm. I think he's saying, look, following me isn't something you do halfway. Following me isn't something that you do passively. Following is active. When you go and a a kid talks to you and goes, we're going to play follow the leader. You go, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'll follow you. No, that's not how follow the leader works. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you with my eyes. I'm going to watch as you walk across that log and climb up that ladder and go across the monkey bars and go back down and then go up the other steps and then down the slide and then swing on the swings. I'm going to follow you from here. Sometimes I think that's what, what we think following is. We think following is I clicked like and now I'm following them. You clicked, I want to follow this person on Twitter, and so now I'm following them, which means I sort of observe the things that they think and say and do. And then we bring that same kind of attitude with Jesus, and we click like on the Bible, and we sort of pay a little bit of attention to what he says and thinks and does. And we follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no. If you want to follow me, then as I go by, as you see me walk past, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get up and leave the stuff behind so that you can follow me. We're going to go and we're going to do this together. I'm going to lead and you're going to follow. And if you're not following where I'm leading, you're not following. Because the definition of following is that you come along behind. You go where I'm going. You do what I'm doing. It's not passive. You can't sit there and follow Jesus. You can't stay home and follow Jesus. You can't enjoy the comforts and securities of not going out and follow Jesus. To follow Jesus means that we get up and we let those things go and we go, okay, God, I'm not sure about this. I've never done this before. I'm not confident about what this is going to look like or who these people are, but here we go. I'm following you. There's risk. There's risk involved in following Jesus. And I think that Jesus clearly lays it out here, and when I read it, I am afraid that you, like me, are convicted and going, I don't think there's enough risk in my life. I don't know how much I actually trust God. because I don't know how much I'm actually willing to risk. Somebody says, we're looking for missionaries to go over there, and you go, I will pray that you find one. 
because I'm pretty confident that I am called to sit on my couch and pray where it is comfortable. And then Jesus says, okay, you're not going to go out? How about we do ministry right here? You know the couch? Comfortable. I like my couch, and I like my bed, and I like my habits and routines and my family, and I like being in my comfort zone. And I just don't see in this text Jesus calling us to the comfort zone. What he's calling us to is the opposite of comfort zone. He's calling us to risk. He's calling us to extend. And he's calling us to a place of discomfort, a place without security and safety. And he's saying, come. Come follow me. It's interesting to me that he says this. He's laying it out for people, and he's going, these are the expectations if we go back to Matthew chapter 4, if we go back to Matthew chapter 4, he was calling other disciples at that time. This is what it sounded like in Matthew chapter 4 in verses 18 through 22. While he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And I know that we already went through Matthew chapter 4, and I remarked on it then because I think that this is a, a, a crazy passage, frankly. That he walks along and he calls people and he goes, hey, come follow me. And they went, okay. I'm just going to drop everything. I, I was sitting in a boat fishing and I just let go of my nets and got out of the boat and here we go. Where are we going, Jesus? Jesus. Here, here Jesus is calling, is saying, we're going to now go over to the other side. In Matthew chapter 8, he says, we're going to go over to the other side. And one, and one disciple comes up and goes, hey, uh, great, I'd love to do that. I'll catch up with you. But my dad, I need to take care of this home stuff first. Now contrast that with James and John. He saw these two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. These two guys, they have a father. In the boat with them. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, they were mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father... And followed him. Crazy. Who does that? Jesus says, follow me. I want you to leave your dad behind. 
This other disciple in Matthew chapter 8, we don't even know what his name is. He's just a disciple with a dad. He says, I, I can't go yet because I have this thing. But James and John, they're like, okay, where are we going? Zebedee's in the boat going, hey, James, John, <laughs> Nets, Nets, man. <laughs> I can't fish unless these nets get fixed and you're not fixing the nets. And they're like, we're following Jesus. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you if we come back by this way. We're following Jesus. And, and that, that's what's going on here. And now Jesus is calling and saying to his disciples, all these crowds are around and he goes, okay, we're going to the other side now. And I think most of the crowd went, aww. But Jesus, you were doing such good teaching and we really like the healing and we're not over on the other side, we're over here. And Jesus went, well, we're going over to the other side and most of them went, okay, well, we're going home. And a couple of them went, oh, hey, hey, I'll go with you. You're going over to the other side? Wherever you're going, hey, I want to go. And Jesus goes, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to go with me over to the other side? The other side is not like this side. The other side, there is no home. There is no comfort. There isn't family. You really like the comfort of home, the place that you know, the place that you feel comfortable and secure. All of your stuff is where you want it to be. Some of you are going, it's not where I want it to be. It's in these piles. Yes, but they're piles that you know because you put them there. They're your piles. It's the comfort of your house, your home, with the people that you feel comfortable. You can be yourself around these people because they know you. There's no needing to pretend here. It's home. And Jesus is going, we're going to leave that behind. We're going to leave the place, the bed. We're going to leave the family, all of that. We're going to leave all those comfortable places behind, and we're going over to the other side. That's what I want you to know. That's what I want you to know. You're welcome to come. I'd love to have you come, but you need to know it's not like this side. We're going to the other side now. So what did these disciples do? I don't know. It doesn't say. Do you know how frustrating that is? One of the disciples says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus comes back with a snappy response. Well, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests and the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. No response. Did the disciples say, oh, that's fine. I don't care. I'm in. Or did he, he say, oh, yeah, no, I don't want that. The other disciple says, hey, I'll come. I just, I need to deal with this thing first. And Jesus goes, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. And did he go, oh, well, okay. Or did he go, no, Jesus, that, I, I, I'm doing this. I don't know. It frustratingly does not tell us what the answer is. I want resolution here. It leaves me with a sense of angst to not have the, the resolution. I want to know what happens at the end of the story. The stories that don't end with resolution, they really bother me. Every story should end with a happy ending. If it didn't end with a happy ending, you didn't write enough story. 
add more until it ends up happy. And here, we don't get that. We're just left with the tension. You build, you build, you build, you have this tension, then there's supposed to be denouement and conclusion. No. Just this feeling of angst in my stomach as I don't know. Did these disciples follow him? Did they not follow him? Are these some of the 70? Are these some of the 120 that were surrounding him and following him where he went? Or are these disciples that washed out? If you're talking about the seeds that got planted, are these the ones that sprang up quickly and then died away because of the anxieties and cares of the world? Or are these the ones that grew and multiplied and, had, and multiplied 60, 70, or 100 times? Who, who are these guys? And Matthew doesn't tell us. Matthew knows. He could have put in their names. He didn't have to call them a scribe and a disciple. He could have just put in Fred. He could have put in Robert. He knew their names. And he didn't tell us who they were. And he didn't tell us what they did. I'm very tempted to read into it and go, okay, well, he called this one a scribe, and so that one probably didn't end up following Jesus. He did call this one a disciple, and so maybe he did follow Jesus afterwards, and I want to invent it because I really want them to have resolution, and I think what Matthew is doing is he's trying to set up the angst in me and going, what's your answer here? What is it for you? You're in a point of decision. Jesus is calling you to leave this side and go over to the other side. Jesus is calling you to follow him, to be a disciple of his. And if you think that you can follow him while sitting at home, you're wrong. That's not what it looks like. You're going to have to step out, you're going to have to do something. See, that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus was at home in heaven, on the throne, feet kicked up on the earth. And here's all these people wandering away from God. And Jesus went, oh, somebody's going to have to go get them. All right. Gets up from his throne. Takes off all the glory and majesty. Puts on the humiliating form of a man. Enters into his creation. Puts up with all of his creatures and their treatment of him. Even though he could have had all the, the securities and comforts in a snap, he doesn't. He wanders around without a place to lay his head. And when he gets tired, he goes off to find a place to rest and pray, and everybody pursues him, and he goes, okay, more ministry, more healing, more teaching, more explaining about the kingdom of God. 
And because he has done that, he has come to approach you and said, you know what, those safeties and securities, those things that you're clinging on to, those things that you're putting your hope in, that, that's, not, that's not true security. It's not true life. Come with me. Follow me over to the other side. We're going to leave this stuff here, and we're going to go over to the other side. Come, come follow me. Don't, don't pack heavy. Pack light. Don't hang on to all that stuff. It just gets in the way. It just gets in the way. We're going to pursue eternal life. Come, come, follow me. So that in John chapter 14, he's talking with his disciples, and he's getting ready to die. And he's talking to his disciples in John 14, and he says, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. To which Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. You know where we're going. I've been telling you where we're going. We're going to my house, but not here. We're going to my house where I'm preparing a room for you. We're going to my house. We're headed for eternal life. We're headed to fellowship with the Father. We're talking about a different kind of family. We're talking about a different type of home. We're talking about a different type of safety and security. We're going to my house. It just doesn't look like this. Come on. Come on, Thomas. Come on, Philip. Come on, all of you. Here we go. What's the answer going to be? What is the answer for you? Are you coming? Let's pray. Father, we, we claim that you are our heavenly Father because we know that Jesus has come. to adopt us and make us yours. And so, Father, as we look forward, we ask, would you help us? Search out within us any of those anxieties and insecurities, any of the things that we are clinging to, and bring them to mind that we might let go of them and follow you unencumbered. 
Lord, may we be like Abram, leaving homeland and home and family to come to your new and promised land. Father, we know that you are inviting us to this, and so we ask, would you help us to let go of the things that keep us from following you, that we might follow you unencumbered. And Lord, I, I pray for those who are here that want to follow you but are afraid, that you would give them confidence and boldness. And Father, we look forward to that glorious day when we will be with you for all of eternity, that we will see you in your splendor and glory, and we will be able to say, I am your child. Lord, in anticipation of that, we, we uh, worship you even now. In Jesus' name, amen.